0: I THOUGHT THESE TWO SUNDAYS I STARTED LAST SUNDAY TALKING ABOUT SUPERNATURAL Christianity. I WANT TO CONTINUE TO TALK ABOUT THAT A LITTLE BIT. ACTUALLY, SUPERNATURAL CHRISTIANITY IS NORMAL CHRISTIANITY. THAT'S VERY IMPORTANT. IT'S NORMAL. Uh, ANYTHING THAT IS NOT SUPERNATURAL CHRISTIANITY OR DOESN'T ALLOW FOR THAT IS ACTUALLY ABNORMAL. THE WHOLE THING IS THE SUPERNATURAL uh, REVELATION OF GOD THROUGH JESUS CHRIST. SO LAST WEEK, WE TALKED ABOUT THAT JESUS CHRIST the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, he was accredited, as the word used, by miracles, signs, and wonders. And uh, that's quite an amazing statement, you know, that uh, to be accredited means to be proven valid, to be genuine. That for people to believe that Jesus, so to speak, was the real deal, that Jesus was genuine, uh, he needed miracles, signs, and wonders. And so I always marvel when people say, well, uh, you know, there's nothing like that happening today. Miracles are not for today. I say, are we greater than Jesus? If Jesus, born of a virgin, wise men celebrated his birth uh, with large gifts, he, he, he still needed uh, manifestations of God's Spirit. Are we greater? And of course, our answer is absolutely no. Then we talked about that's. SUPERNATURAL CHRISTIANITY IS FOUNDATIONAL. Uh, it, IT'S NOT AN aberration. IT'S NOT SOMETHING, WELL, YOU KNOW, maybe, MAYBE YOU BELIEVE LIKE THAT, BUT I CAN DO IT ON MY OWN. Uh, in, IN THE BOOK OF HEBREWS, THEY WERE QUESTIONING, WHY SHOULD WE BELIEVE ON JESUS? AND MANY MAYBE IN OUR COUNTRY QUESTION, WHY SHOULD WE BELIEVE ON JESUS CHRIST? WHAT MAKES IT uh, RIGHT TO BELIEVE ON CHRIST? MAYBE YOU WONDER ABOUT THAT. and. Uh, THE ANSWER WAS GIVEN, WELL, WE BELIEVE THE MESSAGE OF SALVATION BECAUSE WE KNOW, REMEMBER THEY WROTE THIS AT THAT TIME, IT WAS GIVEN BY THE LORD JESUS CHRIST. AND THEN AS THEY SAID, NUMBER TWO, IT WAS CONFIRMED BY EYEWITNESSES. AND THEN IT SAYS, FURTHERMORE, IT WAS CONFIRMED WITH SIGNS, WONDERS, AND MIRACLES, AND VARIOUS GIFTS OF THE HOLY SPIRIT. SO, YOU KNOW, WITHOUT... Any intervention of God, then Christianity is just another um, point of view. It's another opinion. It's another theory among the many theories. And so the book of Hebrews says it's foundational that, that there is a supernatural Christianity. Then we talked about last week that supernatural Christianity is, contrary to what many people think, it is by God's grace. How deeply embedded it is in our psyche. Our Roman Catholic friends, I use this as an example, you know, even after somebody has died, they can be declared a saint. First, they are canonized, can- canonized, not canonized, canonized, and then they're declared a saint, and they have to have three uh, verifiable testimonies of miracles. And so that brings the idea that. YOU HAVE TO BE SUPER SPECIAL TO HAVE ANY MIRACULOUS INTERVENTION IN YOUR LIFE BY GOD. IT'S ONLY FOR SPECIAL PEOPLE. NOW, IN THE Protestant TRADITION, WE DON'T APPOINT SAINTS. Uh, WE SAY WE'RE ALL SAINTS BECAUSE THAT'S WHAT THE BIBLE CALLS US. BUT WE ALSO HAVE OUR OWN WAY THAT uh, YOU HAVE TO PAY THE PRICE ONLY PEOPLE WHO HAVE, YOU KNOW, THEY FAST SO MANY DAYS AND THEY DO SO MANY THINGS, THEY, SPECIAL PEOPLE, SPECIAL PEOPLE ONLY NEED TO APPLY TO RECEIVE ANY SUPERNATURAL BLESSING FROM GOD. BUT WE TALKED ABOUT THAT uh, THE GOSPEL IS CLEAR. IT IS BY GRACE. IT IS BY GOD'S UNMERITED FAVOR. THE PROMISE IS TO YOU to your children even those who are far away for everyone that God has called by his grace all right and, and so i want to pick up from there supernatural happenings result from the announcement of the gospel now the word gospel is so familiar that many people don't even know what it is they think it's a music style or something else whatever uh, of course it means good news and If you look at religion, there are basically three kinds of religion. There's one type of religion that teaches you that the way to God is through morality and keeping rules. And we all believe it's good to live moral lives. That's not the point. But many religions, such as Judaism, such as Islam, such as many others, teach that the way you get to God is by following a set uh, set rules, do this, do this, do this, do this. And if you talk to such a practitioner of religion and say to them, how's it going? Are you keeping the rules? They usually say, well, I'm trying my best. I'm not doing as good as I could, uh, maybe, but I'm trying my best. And I said, are you getting closer to God? And they say, well, I hope so. I'm working on it. Not sure, but they, we applaud their effort, and in such religion, very often, you know every week the adherents to the religion come together to receive a weekly dosage of forgiveness and mercy, uh, and so it's kind of released by a priest or a or a leader of the religion, and people receive that now that that's one kind of religion. then you have another kind of religion which is More philosophical. It has to do with uh, enlightenment and you coming uh, through inward looking meditation, you are coming into a realization of enlightenment and a philosophy of living. And when you talk to practitioners of such religion, which I've done many times, I always say, How is it going? You know, I've gone to temples and pagodas where they are all doing things. AND THEY ARE SEEKING TO GO TO THAT PLACE OF COSMOS. I SAID, uh, uh, YOU HAVE A HUNDRED MILLION PEOPLE IN THIS COUNTRY. ALL OF THEM ARE MEDITATING TO GET TO THIS ETERNAL COSMOS. AND I SAY TO A MONK, HOW MANY DO YOU THINK MADE IT LAST YEAR? And THEY ALWAYS SAY, WELL, I'M NOT SURE. SO I say, WELL, GIVE ME A PROXIMITY. WAS IT, was it A THOUSAND? THEY SAID, NO, no, no NOT A THOUSAND. A hundred? And I, I actually got one guy down to say he thought it was maybe five, maybe five. So but he wasn't sure about the five, but I was just kind of pressing, you know, the point. But uh, we applaud people who try to do this. I've known many people who do that. Now, now the gospel is so fantastic. Really, at its core, it's a story about the unlimited God. AND TODAY TO SCIENCE, WE KNOW EVER MORE ABOUT THE UNLIMITED GOD. WE KNOW IN CREATION, AN EVER EXPANDING UNIVERSE. WE KNOW WHEN WE LOOK AT THE ATOMS AND THE MOLECULES AND THE NEUTRONS AND THE PROTONS, THERE ARE SUBPARTICLES AND THEN THERE ARE SUBPARTICLES WITHIN THE SUBPARTICLES AND EVER SMALLER. AND IT'S SO IMMENSE. Who, who, WHO CAN KNOW GOD BY MERELY KEEPING RULES? BUT OUR STORY IS That God loved us and understood that our mind was in darkness. So he sent Jesus Christ and Jesus said, if you see me, you see God. Or as it says in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus Christ is the expressed image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is a fantastic story. People think, what kind of religion do you have? And and then this God sent Jesus, and then Jesus, this is the gospel, by the way, he dealt with the human dilemma. You know, there are basically three things that humans struggle with, guilt, shame, and fear. Now, if you come from Northern Europe or from the Catholic part of the world or the Protestant, probably your main struggle is with guilt. Don't look at anybody right now. Guilt, guilt, guilt. But you know, in some parts of the world, the main problem is not guilt. It's shame. It's not much so much individual guilt. It's like you brought shame on the family. That's why we even have in the extreme honor killings. Because shame came on the family. In other parts of the world, they are not so concerned about guilt and shame. They're concerned about fear. SO THE REASON I DON'T WANT TO SIN IS NOT SO MUCH BECAUSE I FEEL SO GUILTY ABOUT IT, BUT IT'S BECAUSE I OPEN MYSELF TO DEMONS. YOU SAY, WHAT PART OF YOUR word you is? I'M NOT TELLING YOU. YOU CAN FIGURE IT OUT. MAYBE YOU COME FROM ALL THREE. I DON'T KNOW. BUT THE BEAUTY AND THE GENIUS OF THE GOSPEL IS THAT NO MATTER WHETHER YOU COME FROM, AND USUALLY IT'S ALL THESE THREE COMBINED, WHETHER YOU COME FROM A CULTURE WHERE IT'S NUMBER ONE, YOU FEEL GUILTY ALL THE TIME. YOU KNOW, SOME PEOPLE FEEL SO GUILTY. They're guilty, guilty, guilty. Others, they feel ashamed, ashamed. Did I bring shame on my family? Others, they they feel I'm afraid, I'm afraid. They feel like demons are eating their breakfast. No matter what culture you come from or a combination of these, the gospel answers it all. By, oh, come on, come on, come on. By by one fell swoop, Jesus did the whole thing. He put it away. He put guilt. He put shame and fear out of business. Uh, It's out of business. And if it's not out of business in your life, come to Jesus. Receive the gospel. I mean, this is so fantastic. People say, well, this, this is too good. Hence, it's called good news. It just can't be this good. And and that's why people said about the Apostle Paul, away with him, he's a babbler, he's telling this good news. It's too good to be true. So the only way that God saw that this ought to be preached, it ought to be preached, followed by supernatural happenings. God himself confirmed. Let, Let me read to you Mark 16. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. That is deceptive, evil personalities that try to inhabit people's thinking. They will speak with new tongues. Some of you are doing that. They will pick up serpents. I hope you're not doing that. But if you actually picked up one, you claim this verse. But don't go and pick one up, you know. And if you drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Now, don't go and drink deadly things. But if that's why I was quite free and easy about the vaccination, everybody was arguing for and against the wax. I said, Well, I don't know. I said, If it's good for me, I say wonderful. If it's bad for me, I'm claiming this verse. It shall not harm me. So I was kind of easygoing while everybody else was in a tizzy because I believe the gospel. Are you still there? Now you say, you're meddling in my life. Of course I am. Uh, You love it. Uh, They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And then we drop down a few verses, verse 20, and they went out and preached. Well, what did they preach? The gospel. Of course, that's what he said. Everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So here you have the point I'm making is that the signs, wonders, follow ACCOMPANY THE PROCLAMATION OF THE GOSPEL. THE GOSPEL IS A FACT. IT'S NOT BASED ON FEELING. IT'S NOT BASED ON FEELING GOOSEBUMPS IN YOUR BODY. IT IS A FACT that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, that Jesus Christ was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we have been healed. That's a fact. If I feel like it or not, it's a fact. So it's, it's not, it's a certainty. It's not a mere wish. And, 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 The signs, healings that follow are proof. It's God's affirmation because the story is so fantastic. Now, our gospel, when you believe it, it produces good morality in people. It produces good philosophy, but that's not the prerequisite. Our story of what God has done is so amazing that to be credible, it must be confirmed by Jesus Christ himself at work. That's why it says about you who have received Christ, it says that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. In other words, God is not just externally someone you believe in. God's Spirit is in you. Now, NOW THIS IDEA IS CARRIED BY THE APOSTLE PAUL, First Corinthians 2, WHEN I CAME TO YOU, I DID NOT COME WITH EXCELLENCE OF SPEECH. NOT THAT THAT WOULD BE WRONG, BUT HE'S SAYING I DIDN'T COME THAT WAY. OR A WISDOM, DECLARING TO YOU THE TESTIMONY OF GOD, FOR I DETERMINED. THIS WAS A CHOICE. SUPPOSEDLY HE COULD HAVE COME WITH A LOT OF ELOQUENCE AND WISDOM, BUT IT'S JUST I DETERMINED. NOT TO KNOW ANYTHING AMONG YOU, EXCEPT JESUS CHRIST AND HIM CRUCIFIED. I WAS WITH YOU IN WEAKNESS, IN FEAR, AND IN MUCH TREMBLING. WHY WOULD THAT be? WE we WOULD NOT THINK OF THE APOSTLE PAUL, I MEAN, THIS GREAT uh, APOSTLE, BECAUSE HE KNEW THE WORDS OF JESUS, FOR WITHOUT ME YOU CAN DO NOTHING. But in me, you have everything. So there was a certain in his humanity, as it put, as I have felt a thousand times, I don't feel like, oh, no problem. I'm such a great man of God. I feel, Lord Jesus, I need you. Without you, I am weak. Without you, I am trembling. Without you, I'm fearful. I realize that, but then I realize he is with me. And so I preach him. I lift him up. He is the answer. He is the one that's backing this up. It's not my miracle ministry. It's not my healing ministry. In fact, I detest when people say to me, you have such a great healing ministry. I said, I have nothing of the sort. I have the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I preach him and lift him up, yes, I have seen thousands, tens of thousands of Healing happened, but it's not my healing ministry. And he says, My speech, I'm back to the verse, and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and a power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is God's intent. Not that you would just go to church because that's the way you were raised to go do, or because your mom and dad are happy if you go to church. But God's intent is that every person would personally encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. It it may not even seem miraculous to somebody else, but you know in your heart something has happened. Peace has come to my heart. Joy has come. Purpose has come. And people may look at you, I don't know if that, but they're not you. You know what came to you. This is God's plan that it would not just be a religious adherence, but a personal relationship. Uh, and, and, And so we are very dependent on the Holy Spirit in this. It says here, Paul says, Uh, that your faith would be in demonstrations of the spirit and a power. Have you ever been to a demonstration? (laughs) You know, I was born in the country where they uh, had May Day. First day of May was always the socialist demonstration day. So I knew everybody's out demonstrating. You know, it's something visible, something that your five senses could see. NOW, I HEAR SOME PEOPLE SAY, AND I DON'T TEACH A LOT ABOUT THIS, BUT WHEN I TEACH, I SAY, OH, YOU KNOW, JESUS IS SO PRECIOUS TO ME THAT IF I NEVER SAW A MIRACLE, IF I NEVER SAW anybody anybody GET HEALED, I would STILL STAY TRUE TO JESUS. AND I SAY, THAT'S WONDERFUL. BUT DON'T SAY THAT YOU HAVEN'T SEEN A MIRACLE, BECAUSE OBVIOUSLY, HE HAS DONE SOMETHING IN YOUR HEART. BUT, but WE HAVE TO RECOGNIZE BY SCRIPTURE that, THAT THE VISIBILITY OF MIRACLES AND SIGNS AND GIFTS OF THE SPIRIT, are a part of everything. It says in John 2.23, when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. So he did something, and they said, oh, what's that? Let's find out more. In John 6.2, same book, it says, a great multitude followed him, BECAUSE THEY SAW HIS SIGNS WHICH HE PERFORMED ON THOSE WHO WERE DISEASED. SO IF YOU SAY, WELL, I DON'T NEED ANY MIRACLES, THAT'S WONDERFUL. I'M GLAD. BUT THERE'S A WHOLE WORLD OUT THERE, AND MY EXPERIENCE HAS BEEN THAT WHEN PEOPLE SEE A DEMONSTRATION OF THE SPIRIT, IT CAN AFFECT THEM PERSONALLY, PROFOUNDLY, BUT SOMETIMES, it can be a demonstration for an entire city. You know, I can think of when I was in Baluchistan in Quetta a number of years ago, and uh, when I arrived there, you may have heard me tell the story. Uh, I looked at the newspaper. Of course, I couldn't read. There were Arabic letters. But I saw my picture on the front page. and right beside me, I saw another picture. No, not Pastor Nathan. Osama bin Laden's picture, was that was So I thought, well, uh, somebody tell me what they're writing here. uh, And and, uh, in fact, they were writing praise, not for yours truly, but for the other guy. And they were talking about maybe I was working for the CIA and I was a danger and they were alerting people, don't go to the stadium where this man is speaking. He's a danger, you know? So it was a little tense. In fact, that's an understatement. It was a lot tense. And uh, I've never seen so many machine guns in one service in my whole life as in thousands of AK-47s. But nevertheless, you see what happened there. I've seen many people who were blind receive their sight. But that night, first night, with all this tension, everybody evaluating, uh, a woman dressed in black, looking like a very devout Muslim woman, she comes with her son. It turned out to be around 20 years old. And she says, my son has been blind. And when you prayed, Jesus healed him. And of course, everybody thought that was great. But then she said, and by the way, I want you to know that the mayor of this city is my husband. I thought this is, ooh. I, I mean, that was not just a blind person healed. It was something that touched the whole place. And by the time I was leaving, they made me an honorary patan, and they put the patan hat and the coat on me, so, uh, uh, you, you see, and I preached Christ to them. You see, and a, without that, I can pretty well guarantee you, without that one incident, we would not have been able to stay in that city. We would have been closed down in one day. But, but you know, that's the unusual, but it could just be a demonstration, something that makes people think in your family, your testimony. You tell people what God has done for you. And, and, and Paul was saying, if I go back to the previous scripture, he was saying, I was determined to preach Christ and him crucified. I didn't want to build this on my eloquence and my potential theological knowledge. You know, Paul says in another place that he was, we know he was a member of the Sanhedrin council, the religious elite board within Judaism. He was a a, a Benjamite. He was a Pharisee. He says, I was blameless when it comes to the rules of the religion. I was impeccable. Uh, But yet he said that was not enough. He said, I needed demonstrations of the Spirit. I thought today, you know, I I looked at all the prayer requests and I was in agreement with the one who was praying as we were praying for the five prayer requests today. Two of those prayer requests was for wisdom. And I thought, well, there is a gift of the Holy Spirit called the Word of Wisdom. It's a revelation gift. It's like you you don't see what to do, but you're worshiping God and you've tried everything and then suddenly that's the way to do it. Word of knowledge is another such revelation gift and discerning of spirits to know what's really going on behind the scenes so you don't get into business with the wrong person. Uh, Never mind marrying the wrong person. Come on now, somebody say amen to that. And so sometimes we do stupid things because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Then SOMEBODY ELSE, ANOTHER ONE OF THE PRAYER REQUESTS TODAY WAS FOR COMFORT BECAUSE OF A VERY SAD SITUATION IN a FAMILY. AND DO YOU KNOW THAT THE GIFT OF PROPHECY IS FOR BUILDING UP AND IT IS TO EXHORT, TO ENCOURAGE, AND IT IS TO GIVE COMFORT. AND THAT'S A POWERFUL THING, TO BE ABLE TO SPEAK WORDS. YOU DON'T HAVE TO PREFACE IT SAYING, NOW THE LORD IS SPEAKING THROUGH ME. IT CAN JUST COME WHEN YOU'RE ON THE PHONE, SUDDENLY, the person listening say, oh, that spoke to me. That, that, that changed the situation. You know, very likely without calling it so possibly in the situation, you were giving a prophetic word. That's for you. Instead of just going on, Oh, oh, yes, everything is so bad. Yes, it's so bad. A word came. That's the Holy Spirit working through you. If Paul needed this, the great theologian needed healings and the working of miracles, we need it. Come on now. Everybody say demonstrations. And then let me read some more. Romans 15. I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and in deed. It's not all talk and no action. There is talk and action. And you say, well, what's the action here? It could be many things, being kind and being helpful, being hospitable, but that is good action. But that's not what's talked about here. It says, in words and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders. There you have it. So people become obedient through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Illyricum, which is modern-day Albania, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, people, I say this, supernatural Christianity disciples people. And we hear much people say, we need discipleship, we need discipleship. But to many people, discipleship simply means that you get together with a new Christian and tell them everything they should do and everything they shouldn't do. It's all just do this, do this. You're a new Christian now. If you're a good Christian, you should do this, you should do this. And and I I value talk. I obviously value words. I'm up here talking right now. So I believe word is important. Everybody say word is important. Jesus preached the word. It's very important. Uh, but, But you see, if discipleship is just giving people head knowledge, it's not fully discipling. You may have the best little booklet and a little study tract, and you go through all the points, but here it says that by signs and wonders, people became obedient to the gospel. So what you could say, to paraphrase it, it wasn't just telling people what they should do or shouldn't do. It was for people themselves to experience the power and the love of God so that they have an experience of it. You know, again, i say words are important. Prayer is important. These are all, I'm not taking away from them, but I'm saying they're insufficient. You you know, and and I would also say, some people say, oh, we need miracles, we need the supernatural. We do, but that in itself is also insufficient. You need both. You see, the people of Israel, their stories told in the Old Testament, they had a lot of miracles. They received supernatural food every day. How many would like that? And then they got grumpy about the food, but it was at least supernatural every day and, and all kinds of other things, but they still got messed up. They still missed it. Turn to your neighbor and says, don't do that. So, so that's an illustration. just yes, you can have all kinds of miracles happen and you get it's a little kooky. You don't have any faith in God and you make the wrong decision. That's what happened to the people of Israel. So we're not... Don't misunderstand that I'm teaching on supernatural Christianity. You know, that church, they just want miracles and they pray for the sick and they're anointed with oil. No, no. We believe in supernatural Christianity. We believe in, in signs, wonders, and miracles, but we teach the word. We teach the principles of God. We teach the examples of God. We need word and deed. Amen. Everybody say word and deed. And, and, and so it makes people. Obedient to the gospel. And I'm thinking of the Canadian situation that we have, maybe not for the gospel, but for Christianity. We have an increasing disrespect. It's true. You may not like it. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't true, but it's a fact. There's an increasing disrespect in our nation because of uh, what's happened to the indigenous people and other things. And... uh, you say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you can agree or disagree. Things are what they are. <laughs> you know, deal with people and places and things as they are. And so here we are. I don't, I'm not addressing the issue per se. I'm saying what is the answer? The answer is not just talking and talking and talking, but our dear friends, from whatever background they are, the the, the answer is, yes, understanding the philosophy and the thinking of, of the gospel, but to experience the power of the gospel, to be established in the power of the gospel. That is what made the people obedient to the gospel, because, frankly, once you have experienced the reality of Jesus... It is extremely difficult to deny Jesus. Very difficult. You you know, the Bible says, let him that stand take heed lest he fall, so none of us should think that we are so invincible. But I'm saying, when you have experienced the love and power of God, you don't walk away on a whim. You don't say, I think I'll just quit. Because you have too much between you. And that's what God wants. There's so much between you and Jesus, so much experience, so much practicing his presence that even if you took a hard knock, even if you got kicked down, you may be disappointed and you say, ah, I feel yucky, I feel... But somehow you will rise up inside and you will say, no matter what, I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I believe. And I know that he's able to keep that which I committed to him. That's God's plan. But so often we reduce our fabulous message and we PUT IT ON PAR WITH ANY PHILOSOPHY, ANY THEORY, AND THEN PEOPLE TREAT IT LIKE THAT. BUT THAT'S NOT WHAT WE'RE OFFERING THE WORLD. WE'RE NOT OFFERING AN ALTERNATE PHILOSOPHY. WE'RE SAYING, CHRIST IN YOU, YOU CAN, you can EXPERIENCE THIS. YOU KNOW, I'LL GIVE YOU ONE OTHER THOUGHT HERE. ARE WE DOING GOOD SO FAR? EVERYBODY WITH ME? WE'RE DOING OKAY? Supernatural Christianity works through the Holy Spirit. That kind of is a saying that everybody agrees. We understand that. But let me dig a little deeper in that. I say, in the greenhouse of the Holy Spirit, you know, greenhouse, that's where things grow in the winter. Uh, That's the greenhouse. That's the hothouse that reveals Christ's love for you. And, And then faith works by love. And so the, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said something so powerful that I think many have missed this. Uh, they're familiar with the verse, but they missed possibly the main point. It says in John seven thirty seven, Jesus cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And I, I say the same. If you're thirsty, you say, I... I Want to be free from shame and guilt and fear. I'm I'm thirsty to, to know God, then you come to Jesus. You're welcome today. And then he says, He who believes in me, the one who has come, in other words, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus Christ was not yet glorified. Let's go back to the part of the verse, if you can follow with me on the PowerPoint there. It says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So, this river depiction, that's a picture of this life of the Holy Spirit, demonstrations of the Spirit. And so, when you look at that, you'll say, well, okay, if anyone thirsts, he who believes in me as the scripture has said, so then you will probably say, well, I'm going to go look at my concordance. I want to find where in the Bible does it say that there's going to be rivers flowing from the innermost being. Is Jesus quoting the Old Testament here? And you will find out in your concordance, if you don't believe me, check it out yourself when you go home, not right now, that there's no scripture that says that. In nowhere in the Hebrew scriptures, Does it say that from our innermost being shall flow rivers? It does use water as an example. talks about drawing from the wells of salvation. But it does not talk about rivers flowing from our innermost being. So why does Jesus say, he who believes on me as the scripture have said? And I suggest to you what he's saying. He that believes on me scripturally. He who believes on me according to what the scripture says. So he's not referring to a metaphor found in the previous Jewish scriptures. He says, because if, if, many people say, I believe in Jesus. Leave that up there for a moment. Many people say, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus. He's good, and I believe, you know, he's, he's, he's the great enlightened master. But Jesus says, if you believe on me scripturally, if you believe that I am who the scriptures say that I am, then... Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, and that will happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So, what what does the Scripture say about Jesus? Yes, of course, Jesus is a great example, but he is more. He is our righteousness. He is the one who ascended to the cross and was wounded for our transgressions. He carried. Our sins in his own body on the tree that we should be dead to sin and live to righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. He is according to Isaiah 43 where God said, I send Jesus to be a light to the nations. So believe in Jesus as the scripture has said. He's our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our healer. He is more. Yes, he he can teach us many things. There are principles. Some people write books about business principles from Jesus and all kinds of principles, and there are some very good things there. But who is he? He is the light of the world. He is the one who reveals the Father to us. And when you believe that something happens, the Holy Spirit bears witness who Jesus is. And out of your innermost being, are flowing rivers, demonstrations of the Spirit. You, 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 you see, um, so I know that there's a song we sing about along that line, you know, uh, there is a river. You've heard that song? And some sing it that flows from God above. That sounds more spiritual. I go, Up there somewhere there's a river and I'm trying to connect with it. But THAT'S NOT WHAT JESUS SAID. THERE'S ANOTHER WAY THAT THAT SONG IS SUNG. THERE IS A RIVER THAT FLOWS FROM DEEP WITHIN. THERE IS A FOUNTAIN. I WISH I WAS A soloist, THOUGH I FEEL IT. I FEEL PRETTY GOOD MYSELF RIGHT NOW, BUT YOU PROBABLY SOUND HORRIBLE. YOU KNOW, SOMETIMES I SING A LITTLE BIT AND I THOUGHT I SOUNDED GOOD, AND THEN I HEAR THE RECORDING. I SAY, THAT WAS AWFUL, BUT I'M ENJOYING IT MYSELF. DO YOU EVER SING IN THE SHOWER? So so I'm saying, I know people mean, well, there is a river that flows from God above. Well, ultimately everything is from God, but there's a river that flows from deep within. And so you have this life of the Spirit. And supposedly, you say, why are you preaching about this? Primarily, number one reason, I want Christians, believers, that's you, to not forget that our faith is supernatural. And it's not for some exclusive saints OR SPECIAL PEOPLE, IT'S FOR ALL THOSE WHO BELIEVE, ALL THOSE WHO BELIEVE IN JESUS AS WHAT THE BIBLE TELLS US WHO JESUS IS, OUT OF YOUR INNERMOST BEING SHALL FLOW RIVERS. SO I SAY THAT WE WERE PRAYING FOR PEOPLE TO RECEIVE WISDOM IN THEIR MARRIAGE, WISDOM IN a SITUATION. I THINK IT WAS uh, SOME OTHER MATTER THEY WERE DEALING WITH. I THINK IT WAS BUSINESS OR SOMETHING, OR REAL ESTATE OR SOMETHING, ESTATE MATTER. YOU SEE, GOD IS WORKING IN THESE MUNDANE MATTERS. You may say, well, that's not spiritual. Well, then you missed it. You have a toolbox called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and no carpenter should go to work without his toolbox. You need your hammer. You need your uh, nails. You need your, uh, you know, screwdrivers. Otherwise, you'll have to take off your shoe and stand there pounding nails. If you don't have your nail gun, you'll stand like this, you know. And, of course, everybody will commend you for your I'm like Khrushchev with the United Nations. Man, you don't even know who that was. But anyhow, let's move on. You know, it's much smarter to have a nail gun than to ha- hammer nails with, with your shoe. Are you with me? Yeah. And I'm saying you have, you have received tools. So there you are struggling and fighting. Be alerted to this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to you. And one of the points I love to make is that it happens when we see how great Jesus is. You know that book that we're offering our first-time guest here, that's there. They always say by our founding pastor. Well, that's me, so I, I don't know. That's my title, I guess. Good, good. I'll accept that. I'm very pleased with that. But I wrote a book, The Faith That Works. Well, that book has a lot of different chapters covering many things, but one of the main teachings of that book is that great faith is a great Jesus, and that kind of solves the dilemma of faith that rather than measuring how great is my faith, you say, what is my view of Jesus Christ? How big is Jesus Christ up against the situation that I'm facing right now? IS HE BIGGER THAN THAT? BECAUSE RATHER THAN, say, HOW BIG IS MY FAITH? I NEED TO GET MORE FAITH. GET YOUR EYES ON JESUS CHRIST. HOW BIG IS JESUS CHRIST? HOW BIG IS HE? AND WE TALK ABOUT PEOPLE IN THAT BOOK, that were into the religion. And they had a hard time because they were so preoccupied with their own weaknesses and their own failures and how they were falling short that that it was harder for them to see how great Jesus is. And I'm not going to preach all that right now. I hope if you're a first-time visitor, you get the book and you you will read it. It's my only time, I think, in years that I have promoted that book right now. But there you have it. But let's just make that main point. How great is Jesus Christ to you? Lift your hand with me right now. Holy Spirit, you are our helper. And you've come to remind us how great Jesus is. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for helping us right now to see how great Jesus Christ is. That no matter what the problem, you're greater.